Right now, I want to get and jump right into uh, a very important topic, one about which there have been many, many misconceptions in the public eye and one that I think we need to straighten out. And as normal, what I like to do here is to try to give you the facts and then let you make up your own mind. Um, last year, Governor Pritzker signed the Safety, Accountability, Fairness, and Equity Today Act, known as the Safety Act. You've probably heard a lot about it. And over the last couple of weeks, there is a campaign uh, that of in- misinformation uh, against this reform law. And I've been receiving publications that are pretending to be newspapers, but it's really just propaganda with false statements about what the law says and what it doesn't say. And the person who's going to straighten this out today for us is the Cook County public defender, Sharon Mitchell. He's a Chicago native and a career public defendant. He was sworn in in April 2021, and he runs the largest unified public defender's office in the nation, providing legal services for people who can't afford an attorney, which in Cook County is four out of five defendants. Welcome to the show, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you so much for graciously uh, uh, waiting for, uh, uh, for our queue here. Good afternoon, attorney. Thank you so much for having me here. So first thing I want to discuss, if you can just tell our listeners a little bit about the Safety Act. There are a lot of different provisions in it, but if you can just highlight some of the things that it does. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You know, the Safety Act is what's called an omnibus piece of legislation. It's a, it's a number of reforms of the criminal legal system. And the three big buckets are uh, police reform, uh, pretrial reform, uh, and sentencing reform. So uh, sometimes you hear uh, about the Safety Act, and sometimes you hear about the Pretrial Fairness Act. The Pretrial Fairness Act is a component of the larger Safety Act, which includes several different provisions when it comes to reform. Okay, and so parts of the law have already gone into effect, but January 1st there will be a provision regarding cash bail that changes the law. And this is where I want to focus, because this is where I think there is a lot of misinformation. Can you tell our listeners what exactly this new portion of the law does come January 1st? Yeah, that's a great question. I think most people uh, usually describe it as the end of cash bond. So that is when somebody goes before a judge, a judge has to make a decision about what's going to happen to that person uh, while the trial is happening or going toward trial, going toward resolution. In the status quo right now, a judge essentially has three options. The judge can uh, hold the person no bond. The judge can give the person what's called an I bond here in Cook County, which means that the case isn't over, but the person must uh, return to court. And the third option is money bond, a money bond or a C bond or a D bond. That is, a judge is saying you are eligible to be released, but you must pay a certain amount of money to return to trial, return to court. And we know because the vast majority of people in the criminal legal system here in Cook County are poor and and across the state, you have a significant amount of people uh, who are in jail, not because the judge made a determination that they're too big of a risk of flight or public safety, but because they just don't have the money. So the Pretrial Fairness Act essentially creates a system in which money will no longer be used as a factor in determining whether somebody is going to be in or out. And it will be up to the judge evaluating a certain number of factors in deciding whether that person is going to be in or whether that person is going to be out. So it doesn't take away the judge's discretion to say, hey, listen, this defendant, given the charges, presents a, a serious threat to public harm. The judge could still uh, give that person bail or hold them with no bail, correct? Yeah, yeah. you know, part of the misconception is the idea that there's going to be automatic release for a whole 
subsection of cases. Uh, what the Pretrial Fairness Act basically does, it kind of uh, negotiates the circumstances in which a person uh, can be detained. You know, as we know, we live in a society uh, where people are innocent until proven guilty, and, and the Supreme Court of the, of the United States has determined that in our society, uh, liberty pre-trial should be the norm, and detention prior to trial is supposed to be the carefully limited exception. So the Pre-Trial Fairness Act basically creates um, a set of standards for determining when somebody is going to be detained pre-trial, or when somebody can be eligible to be detained pre-trial. Now, remember, all of this has to happen after a hearing. That's before, now, and, and that's after the pretrial fairness act. So there has to be a determination made by a judge. But no, it does not bar. Uh, uh, you know, it, it doesn't do what people are saying it does on the internet. Um, some people are saying on the internet. Uh, I know that you've talked a little bit about this, you know, in the past, and I've Googled some of your your speeches and your interviews. And, you know, one of the things that you were talk about is that people really do show up for court, that bail is not, you know, is not really, I mean, people, even without bail, they show up to court because they want to have their case resolved. Isn't that fair to say? Yeah, I think most people, you know, I shouldn't say most people, but there are some people out there uh, who have opposed this, um, that, that, that argue uh, kind of characterize this as an experiment. And in, re- in reality, and, and as you know, attorney, uh, the federal system operates mainly without money. Uh, New Jersey has been the most recent state to essentially end cash bond. They ended it in 2017. Uh, and Illinois will be the, you know, the next state to do that. Um, you know, again, New Jersey has essentially eradicated it. Um, but Illinois will be the first. And again, we have examples from both New Jersey and the federal system uh, that, you know, you can operate the system like this. And we know there's still the incentives for people to come to court. Most people think that, oh, it's the money that's going to keep people come to returning to court. That's actually not true. You know, it is the consequence of not coming to court that essentially keeps people from going to court or the ability to actually be found not guilty. Well, sure. I mean, I would imagine that if you're charged with a crime and you don't show up for court, you know that there'll be a, a warrant issued for your arrest and you walk down the street and a policeman could nab you. So it seems to me that's a much more compelling reason to go back to court rather than whatever the $600 is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, part of the misinformation campaign has been this idea that judges can no longer issue warrants. You know, that is a lie. And as you said, you know, money is typically not the thing that keeps people coming back to court. And I think it's also important, though, and, you know, this is maybe something that people just don't understand, is that the vast majority of people, in my experience, who have been given a money bond, it's actually not their money. You know, it's a mother, a grandmother, an aunt, a sister. Uh, These are people that are usually putting up this bail money, but it, it isn't the money that keeps people coming back to court. And again, if a person were not to come back to court, you know, there are consequences both in the current status quo and in those consequences will remain uh, in, the, in the world that the Pretrial Fairness Act is in effect uh, that would incentivize somebody um, to come to court. Let's take a quick break here and then let's continue our conversation here with Cook County Public Defender Sharon Mitchell. You're listening to WGN and this is the Karen Conti Show. We are talking to the Cook County Public Defender, Sharon Mitchell, who has waited patiently while our football game uh, ran a little late. Uh, thank you again for holding with us. Mr. Mitchell, I wanted to um, have you address some of these claims, and I just find this to be 
one of these things where people are afraid of crime these days, as we know, there's a lot of crime in the city, carjackings and crime in places that we maybe didn't see as much of it um, in the past. But I'm going to read a few quotes that I think is fear are fear mongering. Uh, Illinois House Republican leader Jim Durkin wrote in a letter that this new law is going to quote give drug cartels free reign on Illinois streets. Um, Will County State's Attorney said that people accused of murder will be released from his county's jail as soon as the law goes into effect. And Orland Park Mayor uh, Keith Pico warned that under the Safety Act quote someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. Can you address? these kinds of statements? Yeah, lots, lots of misinformation there. Uh, let's start from the bottom up, and, and please stop me if I'm, if I'm missing something. There has been a, a, a lie going on that, that, that law enforcement can no longer arrest people for trespassing, and that's the basis of Mayor Pichow's, I guess, uh, statement there. Um, what the law essentially does is it says that Law enforcement for the lowest level misdemeanors, Class B, Class C, and petty uh, offenses um, should uh, cite and release individuals. But if there's a threat to public safety, that law enforcement retains the right to either make the decision to cite and release or arrest. So there's this idea that no one can be arrested if they decide to take up shop in your home. Clearly, that's a threat. Uh, to your safety, and clearly law enforcement has the full authority to do what they wanted to do. That actual, you know, change in the law was actually something uh, that a uh, commission uh, filled with law enforcement judges and prosecutors uh, advised because they wanted to give law enforcement the flexibility to decide what they wanted to do with their own resources, right? Sometimes, you know, officers may be better suited to giving somebody a ticket and moving on to a situation uh, that is much more, um, uh, I would say, uh, what responsible of their time or, or, or needed of their time. So that's that first um, uh, misconception. Uh, there's this idea that, that this gives free run uh, to the drug cartels. Uh, that <laughs> That is quite the statement. But, you know, I, I would love to point uh, folks to the status quo. You know, the status quo allows for individuals to essentially buy their way out of pretrial incarceration. So if your fear is that rich drug cartels are going to be able to set, be set free after allegations and continue their drug dealing, I would imagine that you would not be in favor of the current system, which the Pretrial Fairness Act replaces. It replaces the idea that somebody can bond their way out of jail. Um, you know, this idea that now murder is legal or people you know, charged with murder will be set free. Uh, you know, another misconception of the law, you know, uh, murder is, a, is an offense that is detainable. Um, the Pretrial Fairness Act basically says that prosecutors have three paths to ask for detention. One is public safety. The other is willful flight. The other is violation of release. Um, you've had people in uh, the media uh, basically uh, decide that they're only going to look at one of those three buckets or, um, you know, basically pick and choose which parts of the law they're going to read uh, to scare people into thinking that um, something like uh, people automatically being released from jail with serious charges, you know, and, and it was, you know, being used to kind of scare people into not liking the law. 
I, I mean, I see it. And even among responsible people and even among lawyers who, you know, we can read the laws a little bit better than the average person, not that the average person couldn't pull up the statute and read it. But I hear these kinds of things and they're they're just false. I mean, you can have your opinion on any of these things, but you have to first understand what it does and what it doesn't do. And the scare tactic, I, I you know, I, I I've, everything is polarized these days, as you know, Mr. Mitchell, but it's it's not the kind of thing that, you know, if you if you really are a thinking person, you should you should look at this more carefully uh, before you get scared. And and again, uh, let's let's talk about the issue of pretrial detention. There's a sort of a trend away from that. And let's talk a little bit about what that means. If you um, say you commit uh, some sort of crime of theft uh, and you can't make your bond, how does that affect people? And what do the studies show about what this does to the community in general? Yeah, we know that people who uh, are kind of stuck or remanded in jail before their trial are far more likely to plead guilty and far more likely to serve a longer uh, prison sentence than those with similar charges uh, who are able to be released outside of, of, of trial. And, and we know that the fear is, and you talked about it, you referenced it, um, that you know if you're allowing people to be released, uh, on pretrial release, then they are going to be responsible, and they have been responsible uh, for committing offenses. That's actually incorrect. Uh, there have been study after study that suggested uh, that folks on bond are not uh, responsible uh, for uh, the, the, the what we've seen uh, in our city with harm. You know, if you look at the thirty thousand, about been about thirty thousand people uh, released. Uh, between October 2017 and March 2019, about 99.8% of those people, uh, while awaiting trial, um, were not arrested for any new gun-related violent crime. You know, if you watch the news and you listen to Facebook, you would think that the vast majority of people who are accused of violent crime uh, for guns are on on bond, and the numbers suggest that that is just not true. Uh, with that said, I think it's important for people, it's important for us to realize that people are scared, and, and, and people do want to see uh, 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 safe communities. But, it, you know, the, the reality of the situation is that nothing in the Pretrial Fairness Act uh, stops law enforcement from arresting and prosecuting individuals. Uh, what the Pretrial Fairness Act does it creates a circumstance where money is not going to be the main factor, and, and there's no doubt about it. People shouldn't just be in jail because they're poor. So for folks who are, you know, you know, just there because they're poor, uh, the pretrial fairness act does offer an opportunity for them to argue for their pretrial release. And, and as we know, you know, pretrial release uh, is supposed to be the it's supposed to happen the majority of the time because people are innocent until proven guilty. Um, and you know, but it still gives the system the opportunity to, to kind of identify those exceptions to the rule. Sharon Mitchell Jr., thank you so much for joining us, the Cook County Public Defender. I hope that uh, I hope that everyone has really um, learned something about this, and, and maybe you can break some of the misinformation uh, that is going on right now. But I wish you luck in the rest of your term. Keep up the good work, and please come back and visit us again. Thank you so much for having me. Hopefully, it's not my last time.